0: It's time for JT
1: the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? If you're not behind Mark Davis after this, and you don't think that Mark Davis has the mind to go all in, now you have to look at the situation differently and what he's doing for you as a fan base to give you hope to win.
2: JT the
1: Brick. That's his job. He's the owner of the team. He's got to have an opportunity to win championships. Mark's told me a hundred times in private settings what a Super Bowl would mean to him personally. And it means more to the fan base for him than it does to him. So Mark went all in.
0: Just win, baby. That's what they got to do. And now,
1: here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Welcome to Raider Nation Radio as we open up the show today on a busy day, Tuesday, April 12th. Gorgeous day out today. Windy. Hope you didn't get caught in that dust storm yesterday. If you're listening to us on a streaming device outside Las Vegas, yesterday was wild with all the dust, and now it seems to be clearing out today, and everybody is ready for a good day. Hope you're doing well. Busy show lined up. We'll tell you about it as we open up the monologue, brought to you by our good friends at Golden Entertainment. They the Strat, along with Arizona Charlie, 60-plus taverns including Sierra Gold, Sean Patrick, the SG Bar, all those PTs here. They fuel the monologue and have the best happy hour in town from 5 to 7 to midnight to 2, head on out to PTs to watch the Golden Knights tonight as they're in Canada here on this Canadian road trip. And it feels like every game is a must-win for our hockey team in Vegas. If they make it into the playoffs, I think things will be good. I think if they get in, as long as they get in, with Mark Stone coming back in this team, It'll be fun to watch, and we'll get a couple of weeks of hockey here. A very serious story today in Brooklyn, a shooting in the subway at the 36th Street Station. There's a basketball game there tonight. No one's thinking about basketball. Everybody's thinking of the manhunt going on for the shooter and the 16 people who were injured, police searching for the shooter who fled the scene in a construction vest and a gas mask. Kevin Durant, after the walkthrough ahead of the game tonight, The home playing game against Cleveland said, I don't know the details. It's devastating to hear the sirens out front of our practice facility and to see so much commotion going on outside. You hope and pray for the best for everybody involved. This is much bigger than sports. This is a massive story here in the country today. And there's a basketball game tonight about half a mile away right there. And people would have been on the subway in and around going to this basketball game tonight. So there was chaos in the New York City subway shooting today in Brooklyn. And I'm not going to tie it into sports per se, but it is tied into the Brooklyn Nets hosting a game tonight. There's a manhunt going on not too far from the arena where the game's going to be played. So it's a really big story that's developing, and we're thinking about everybody involved and those injured. And just the story as it develops, if there's anything new on the subway shooting in New York, We will let you know about that tied into the basketball game tonight. You're going to hear more basketball tonight than football because basketball playoffs start today, and it is all quiet on the Raiders' western front. Vinny Bonsignor wrote a cover story piece today in the Las Vegas Review-Journal that the team met for the first time yesterday with Josh McDaniels, and they had 98% of the players on site for Phase 1 of the program which consists of meetings, strength, and conditioning, physical rehab over a two-week period. Derek Carr was there before the sun came up, entering the final year of his contract. Darren Waller there, Hunter Renfro there. And Carr didn't use yesterday to send a message at all about his contract. He was there smiling and showed up. All off-season activities, except for a three-day mandatory minicamp in June, are voluntary for players per the collective bargaining agreement along with Carb, Waller, Renfro, Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams were there. So they had tremendous attendance at this event. After the strength and conditioning portion, according to Vitti, the Raiders will transition into Phase 2 of the program. That's a three-week period that includes on-field workouts, consisting of individual or group instruction and drills, which offensive players line up across from offensive players and defensive players line up across from defensive players. No live contact or offense versus defense work is allowed. So that was collectively barred players, the union, not the owners and the coaches. The owners and the coaches would like to see these guys get together. The final phase, which lasts four weeks, enables teams to conduct 10 organized team activities in which 11-on-11, 7-on-7, 9-on-7 drills between the offense and the defense are allowed No live contact is permitted. I repeat, no live contact is permitted, which to me, again, is pretty fascinating. So you're asking football players to not have any contact, really not have a lot of hard work, but the players do a tremendous amount of conditioning. It's the biggest change that I think we've seen in football over the last 50 years, is that back in the day, the old timers would have jobs. They'd be parking cars. I talked to Raiders about their years in Oakland. I was parked in cars at Golden Gate Fields. I had this job doing this or that. Now these football players are making millions upon millions of dollars, some over $100 million, and they work out. They have private trainers. They work out with the team. They work out with each other. Derek Carr takes them in the park. They work out so they're in great shape. So when camp starts, they're able to hit the ground running. Now, I believe this is a strength of what the Raiders have going forward. I truly believe that. Leadership and conditioning with the leaders on the team. The best players are the veterans on this team. They are highly conditioned and very accountable. And they show up. A problem with John Gruden, Coach Gruden would tell me all the time how frustrated he was about the fact that he couldn't get the hands on the players and work them out and do this. He was very frustrated. You could see it in his face every time he was out of practice and they had to be in shorts and they had to do walkthroughs. And that's just where we're at now. I don't know what the case is with Josh McDaniels, but Josh McDaniels is a very productive coach from what I'm hearing with the time that he has in the building with these players, especially all the years. Think of all the years with the six Super Bowl rings that Josh McDaniels has of the extra practice his teams were able to get in the playoffs and the two weeks heading into the Super Bowl that other coaches didn't get. He has an added advantage of more and more and more practice time with his offensive players than any other coach. No debate. No one is closer. Not Sean McVay, not Super Bowl coaches because Josh McDaniels has done this his entire career in New England. More film, more practice, more time with his players because they're playing longer and deeper into the postseason. So that's about it. You know, every time before the show, I'm always prepping for the show. I'm on the radio till 10 o'clock every night. When I wake up in the morning, nothing new really happens unless there's breaking news. And I look at all the respected journalists who cover the Raiders, and I go through their timeline. I go to Vic. I go to Paul Gutierrez. I go to Vinny. I go to Ed Graney, and I see what they're talking about with the Raiders. And there's really no one's talking about anything. They're just retweeting pictures of guys showing up, smiling for work in the offseason program. I was talking about this with my wife, who's been with me well over 20 years the entire time I've been with the Raiders, and we were talking about how quiet it is and how stealth these guys are. It's just quiet. Remember, it was super quiet before they pulled the trigger on Devontae Adams. It was really quiet before the move on Chandler Jones. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody. I talked about this with insiders in Arizona, Howard Balzer and others. JT, we had no idea Chandler Jones was going to the Raiders. No idea. And Devontae Adams, we were assuming because of Derek's relationship with him that there could be a chance. But most of the Green Bay insiders at the time thought that it was going to be him re-signing with Aaron Rodgers after Ro- Aaron Re- Rodgers re-signed. And that wasn't the case. And then there's you know, light conversation about these contract statuses of Darren Waller. When will Hunter Renfro get extended? And Derek Carr's priority for his extension. I think that the majority – I want to, let me take that back. Not the majority. I would think that many, many quarterbacks wouldn't have showed up if they were Derek Carr yesterday. Derek Carr is waiting on a new contract extension and he showed up. What more do you want to hear from him? Is he guaranteed to show up every day? I would say so. I would say – I would put my name on that as this contract's being negotiated. Whatever happens, he would show up. You know, in baseball, the Yankees were supposed to give Aaron Judge a contract extension – Judge, who also went to Fresno State, wants this massive contract extension. And they looked at him and said, no, we're not going to give you $38 million a year. You're not worth it. We'll offer thirty. They didn't get a contract done. And now Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, I got, I got Yankees on my brain today. Aaron Judge has to play the entire year, the entire season without a contract in New York, which is much tougher to play than in Las Vegas or anywhere else without a contract. So Aaron Judge, he didn't agree to terms. He thought he was low-balled. The Yankees thought it was fair. They decided that they would wait till the end of the year. And he's going to have to go in. And he struck out last night in the bottom of the ninth inning. And the fans booed him. The fans booed him. And does that have anything to do? I just think it had everything to do with him striking out. But it's a big moment. Playing with a contract hanging over your head for an athlete, I've never had to do it. It's hard. It's hard to know that. But the contracts are so packed with money and millions upon millions of dollars that your agent, your wife, your family should be able to sit down and say, you're going to be worth so much money. We're not even going to be able to spend it in five lifetimes. Just be patient there. So it's good to see Derek, the first one in the building, if I was accurate, 520 in the morning, whatever the number was. And then everybody else lined up there yesterday yesterday as the Raiders gathered for the first time with McDaniels. And the other announcement yesterday was the Raiders added more depth to the defensive line. Deshaun Bauer comes in 6'5", 250, formerly with New England and the Minnesota Vikings. And it's a solid guy. He's a rotational guy who can come in and play and give you some plays. I don't know at what level. I don't know how often he'll be out there. We do not know. But they need to sign bodies. They need to sign players. And it seems like... They're going to be signing players who are familiar with the Josh McDaniel, Dave Ziegler culture, former Patriots, who know the verbiage and the language and all of that as we're ready to go. So what do I have for you? I got nothing. I get, I'm going right to the NBA. I'm going right to the Lakers today because I do a talk show. If you want to call in on the Raiders, uh, go ahead and do this. I've been doing a sports talk show for 25 years. Days like today, Raiders showed up. They had 98% attendance. We can talk about that and how great it is that everybody's getting along. Everybody's showing up. The attendance is great. That's about it. The other news is they don't have a draft pick till the third round. We're hosting the draft here in Vegas. And I'm going to use every radio show that I have until the draft because we're going to be live on the scene Thursday and Friday. i just get out there. Please show up and make Vegas proud. If you're traveling from somewhere else, get yourself a Raider jersey. Get yourself a black hole T-shirt. Get yourself something and wear black. Wear black. It's not the hardest of summer. And dominate the strip because they dominated the strip in Nashville. And Nashville is going to say that we did it better or worse than them. They had 600,000. We got to beat that number. We should be able to beat it. So if we get a million people, 800,000, whatever it is, there should be a sea of Raider fans walking up and down the link, walking outside Caesars in front of the Bellagio Fountains. So the drone footage and everybody around the country, when they see Las Vegas on the Thursday of the draft, say, holy crap. Look at that. I've been to Vegas. I've never seen anything like that before. Look at what Vegas has done now that football is there. I think we can do it. Maybe we even have to top the BTS Army. Been talking to some people inside the walls of the Raiders involved in tickets. Whoa. This BTS Army is still in town, and they're here, and they show up. So Raider Nation, man, you might be competing with the BTS Army when it comes to attendance, because God knows they showed up in a really, really big way. More news on the Washington commanders as the Wolves are at the door with Daniel Snyder. Congress says that Washington appears to have broken financial laws, owe money to visiting teams, Season ticket holders. Today, the U.S. House Oversight Committee sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission saying it found evidence that NFL's Washington commanders engaged in unlawful financial conduct. The Associated Press obtained the letter. The committee said the team withheld ticket revenue from visiting teams and refundable ticket deposits from seasoned ticket holders. In my opinion, this is enough for Daniel Snyder to lose the team. In my opinion, with my name on the show, Daniel Snyder should step down as the owner of the commanders, or he will be removed very shortly from ownership there. This is it for him. You cannot commit fraud, period, and keep your job, and keep ownership and trust with the league and the partners, let alone the season ticket holders. Look, the season ticket holders love the football team. They don't love the owner. So they'll buy tickets and go, but the owners of the other teams, there's no way, they're going to let this guy hang out with them and be in private meetings if he's conducting fraud. So this could be the beginning of the end for Daniel Snyder. The committee said emails, documents, and statements made by former employees indicate that Daniel Snyder engaged in a troubling, long-running, and potentially unlawful pattern of financial conduct. The committee is sharing the documents with the FTC while requesting the commission take action. Congress launched an investigation into the team's workplace misconduct after the league did not release a report detailing the findings of an independent probe in that matter. Also, John Gruden was taken out by emails that came off the Washington Commanders, at the time Redskins, computer server, when he was not an employee of the NFL. He was an employee of ESPN. John Gruden was out. That had a deep effect on the Raiders because the information was available in June before the start of the season where Mark Davis had to make a decision, John Gruden had to resign. Adding all this up together proves to me Daniel Snyder will be out. And anybody can come in eventually and buy that team from Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, and other people there. All of Washington wants Daniel Snyder out. We're talking over 90% want him out as the owner of that group there, and it looks like he's going to be out. So you can't commit fraud, and you can't commit fraud against billionaires. Billionaires love their money. Not all of them are billionaires. Mark's not a billionaire yet. And the people there that have friends and trusted trusted allies in the league, once you break that trust, you are finished and done, and this will be interesting. More news on Deshaun Watson and what's going to happen with him because of what's happening with these independent cases and civil cases and the language of his 200. And $40 million guaranteed contract, which is incredible, unbelievable to see what's happening. So with all of that there, there's a lot of news in the NFL today. Not a lot of Raider news as we open up the show. And if you want to get in and talk about the Raiders' attendance, I was pretty good at attendance. Quick story. When I was a kid, I wasn't super sharp in high school. But if my mom and dad knew I skipped school, I was done. Right? So I was pretty good with attendance. I would show up. I'm not saying I would, wink, wink, stay on campus all day. But I had to get my butt out of bed. I had one of those dads, and he still is alive. And he'll be out here next month for his 84th birthday, the same day my son turns 21 in May. So we're really excited about what we're doing here with our families coming out here later in May. And my dad was the type of guy, if you weren't up in the morning, he just kept kept coming by the room, opening the door, turning the lights on, I'm sure. You're listening out there, and you had a dad like that. And attendance was a priority in my household. So for the Raiders, attendance is a priority. They all showed up. They showed up for Gruden. They're showing up for Josh McDaniels, the head coach now. This is Josh McDaniels' team. Everybody seems to be on the same page. All the players that like him from New England, everybody's getting to know now with Dave Ziegler. It's quiet times in the Raider Nation which is a big deal. Mark Davis also owns the Aces. They had their draft. They had a big draft. Happy for the Aces again. Anything that Mark's involved with, we back, especially here on the flagship here, and it's a Vegas story. I mentioned as he opened up the show, the Golden Knights are playing. They have to win. They have to pretty much win outright. The Kings have a tougher schedule down the stretch here and hopefully if the Kings are able to get it done and lose a few games for Vegas, Vegas can slip in in the division as it looks to be really tough in the wild card. So that is a big-time story there that we'll get into. Uh, another thing that's fascinating is today, and I'm, I sound like a bit of a hypocrite, and I'm going to do it next hour too. Uh, the Lakers had their exit meetings yesterday, and in those exit meetings, everybody spoke, and it was, it was good theater. It was really good. I talked about it on my show last night phones were packed everybody was going crazy nationally well this is a laker regional hub here and i'm going to be talking about the lakers george sedano from espn is going to join us next and i'll stay with that next hour we also have an nfl draft expert coming on a little bit later on in the show but i woke up this morning pretty early and i watched the stock market and i turned on the financial news and as i switched over to the cable sports shows it was all lakers all lakers And the NBA playoffs start tonight. The Lakers got more coverage today than all the teams combined in the NBA playoffs. Let that sink in. So with the play playing games tonight, we're looking at the fall of the Lakers and roster deconstruction, which is a pretty easy topic to tie into the NFL. Same thing happens with the NFL. There's a team that goes to the Super Bowl. Next year, they don't make a playoffs. Year after that, they win eight games, they fire the coach, and then they rebuild. They go out there and they rebuild the roster and they try to figure it out again on how they're going to do it. And it's complicated. It's complicated in all sports. Who do you keep? Who do you let go? Who do you trade? And the Lakers got to move Russell Westbrook, which is tough to do. In the NFL, if a quarterback is coming through to a contract here, right, Baker Mayfield is a great example. Baker Mayfield led Cleveland to the playoffs. I think a really good player. But they didn't have enough confidence in him and getting them to the Super Bowl. So they bailed on Baker, who's under contract, and they went with Deshaun Watson. Now there's no market for Baker Mayfield. None. But Cleveland's better off because they got a better player. So Cleveland feels like they made the right move. Carolina, on the other side, a couple of years ago, got rid of Cam Newton. Then they brought in Sam Darnold, and they thought they were on the right track. And Cam Newton was finished, and Sam Darnold can't get it done. And now they might trade up into the draft to get a quarterback because they're panicking now. The Raiders don't have to panic at all. They got the quarterback. They got him under contract and a favorable contact to the team. They brought in his best friend, Devontae Adams. They paid him a lot of money, and they had to give up draft picks to do it. They have Hunter Renfro on a very young competitive contract. They have Darren Waller on a contract that Darren wanted to extend. He did. And it's still favorable to the Raiders. The Raiders re-signed Colton Miller quickly when they could to a favorable contract, and Colton wanted to be here. And then they got rid of guys who didn't want to be here who had big contracts. Rodney Hudson, especially Rodney, who we love, the multiple winner of the Commitment to Excellence Award, love Rodney. Rodney didn't want to be here anymore, and Gabe Jackson wanted more money. And they decided to move on from those guys, and the jury's still out because the offensive line is not better today than it was with Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson. I think we'll all admit that. So it's complicated to do business in the offseason. you got to figure out a bunch of things. It is never easy to figure this out, and that's why we ask for your support to help us figure out all these issues. How does LeBron rebuild the Lakers, or does he quit, or ask for a trade and go somewhere else? How do you move Russell Westbrook's contract? How do you extend Derek Carr's contract to make it cap friendly I don't know I don't they have guys in the building of all these high powered teams I have strong opinions on who you should keep and who you should let go and who you got to ask for less money or pay more money for we all have those opinions but it's very complicated to pull it off 702-365-9200 that's the monologue brought to you by Sam and Ash because you deserve what's right Sam and Ash are personal injury attorneys. If you get into an accident, don't worry about it. Be healthy, get to the side of the road, get safe, and then call Sam and Ash. Don't do anything until you have a personal injury attorney that can take a look at all the evidence there and help you. That's what they do, 702-820-1234. They're friends of mine. They're friends of our channel here, and they will help you. 702-820-1234 is the number. So what I do, five monologues a day for about 20 minutes, wait to see if the phones ring, interview people, and get the hell out of here, because I'm excited this year. I think the Raiders are in Super Bowl contention with this roster. No, I didn't pick them to win the Super Bowl, but I think they got a hell of a football team, and I'm proud to lead the way on the flagship, Raider Nation Radio.
2: Today's not going to be a a day of like finger pointing or unwinding all the specific reasons. We just felt organizationally at the highest level it was time for a new voice. Those decisions are made at the very top level in a collaborative way by our basketball operations department and ultimately with Jeannie and and Tim and the leaders of our organization. We just felt like it was time for a new voice. And that's not to um, say anything against the incredible accomplishments that Frank Vogel's had. was a great coach here and he's going to go on to be a great coach somewhere else.
1: That's Rob Palenka, the GM of the Lakers. Man, do they got a lot of work to do? JT back with you brought to you by Grimaldi's five locations in the Valley. Best pizza I've ever had. Head on out to Grimaldi's. I get the Brooklyn bridge pizza, the Caesar, the Mediterranean salad, find one, my spots in Boca park. Fantastic. Grimaldi's today. Let's go out to LA. George Sedano, my longtime friend and colleague from ESPN television, And ESPN Radio, where he has a big Lakers show, and he can help us out with the downfall of the Lakers. All right, George, thanks for coming on. And where do you rank this season? How do you put it in perspective, big picture on what happened to the Lakers?
2: It is the most disappointing Lakers season in franchise history. I don't even think it's debatable. The only thing that even comes remotely close was that 2012 season when they brought in an old Steve Nash and a prime Dwight Howard and Kobe Bryant couldn't get them uh, to the finish line Torre's Achilles, if you remember. And that season was considered the biggest failure at that particular time. And this thing is way worse. They didn't even make the playoffs, let alone, I mean, they didn't even make the play-in. Forget the playoffs at this point. So this is where we're at. And everyone's playing the blame game, including Russell Westbrook. With quotes like this, JT, I, I, I couldn't wait for you to call me, because I wanted you to hear these quotes. I don't know if you saw what Russell said. Uh, when asked about his overall experience, quote, when I first got here, I just felt that I was never given a fair chance just to be who I needed to be to be able to help this team. But wait, it gets better. Uh, when asked about how LeBron and Anthony Davis were very clear about let Russ be Russ, his response, yeah, but that wasn't true. Let's be honest. And then when asked about his relationship with Frank Vogel said, quote, I'm not sure what his issue was with me, quote, end quote. Uh, I'll take lack of accountability for 500, Alex. And the answer is, who is Russell Westbrook?
1: Yeah. And we've talked about this throughout the year. Why is he so difficult to coach. If I was coaching him, I demand one thing because he plays with such speed. I love his way of tacking the rim. I love what he can do with the assist. A lot of guys don't want to have the assist numbers. I would tell him not to shoot on the outside Low-percentage shots. I would insist that he gets rid of that portion of the game. I would coach him as a head coach with multiple assistants. I'd show him tape and film and say, when you have this shot, do not take it. Drive to the rim and dish in the pain. Why is he so difficult to coach, in your opinion?
2: Uh, Look, I'm pretty sure every coach has tried some semblance of that. And it's interesting because Mike D'Antoni got him to do that a little bit in his latter a uh, few months, the latter tenure of his time in Houston. And he had a great stretch there at the end of the, uh, the season there in Houston up until the pandemic hit. There was a stretch from January through the, when the pandemic hit mid-March, a two-and-a-half-month stretch, where Russell Westbrook was an MVP candidate. That wasn't that long ago when you think about it. That was 2020, JT. But what happens is guys get to a certain age, and their skills erode quickly in some cases. And that's what you have. He's lost a half step, okay? So that speed that we talked about that used to look like a blur is no longer that fast. So guys are there with him now as he's driving to the rim, and hence you saw even more turnovers than you'd seen previously. And in regards to his shot, you know, again, outside of Mike D'Antoni, I really haven't seen a coach make that happen. Uh, And that was just a small stretch and a slither of his career, if you think about it.
1: George Sedano joins us, ESPN Television, ESPN Radio. Anthony Davis has a built-in excuse. He's injured. And now the question becomes, you have a bunch of people on social media and people around, fans mostly, saying that he doesn't work out or he's not in shape. We do not We're not in his gym. We don't know what time he wakes up. We don't know what he does with his personal trainers. But year after year with the injuries, how do you handle that on TV and on your radio show in L.A. where A.D.'s getting a lot of this criticism?
2: Well, I think that I always look at it this way. And if
1: here's what, how
2: it went down, okay? After the championship, he came in out of shape. He did not expect the season to resume when it did. Uh, remember, they came shortly off of winning a championship, and a few months later, they were back at it. So he wasn't ready for the start of the season, and that cost him, certainly. Then, this season, he came in in great shape, but he was really bulked up JT. And I don't think his body could handle the weight gain that he had. And I mean weight gain in a good way, like the muscle uh, mass that he put on. And another thing that's interesting to me, I talked to a Hall of Fame player, okay, uh, retired within the last, I don't know, decade or so. And I asked him, we were talking about Joel Embiid at the time, and I asked him, why do you think Joel has been able to stay healthier here the last several years of his career than he was early on in his career? And he said, well, I'm sure there's multiple factors, but he said his footwork is incredible. And I think as a big man, particularly, if you have great footwork, you're not going to hit the ground as much. So I asked him, well, what about Anthony Davis? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and he said, well, he definitely doesn't have the footwork of, of Joel Embiid. So I do think while I'm not in the gym with him and I'm with you on that, I do think if you look at the way Anthony Davis has had his career go, but specifically the last several years, I think you're always looking inward and saying, What can I do different to make this thing work the way I want it to work? And I, I think there has to be some adjustment to whatever his off season conditioning is. And I've always subscribed to the Pat Riley theory, JT, which is as you get older as a player, you should become leaner. That way you can make up for whatever lack of athleticism or potential explosion there is as you age. And, you know, Anthony Davis isn't old. He's in his late twenties. He should still be in his prime. But I do think that there needs to be some semblance of an adjustment to whatever he does and whatever regimen that is. And perhaps when I mention that footwork stuff, perhaps it's Colin Akeem who I don't know if he still does this anymore, JT, but LeBron 10 years ago, Kobe, uh, you Kevin Garnett, a bunch of guys historically would pay six figures to Kareem okay, to make sure mm-hmm. he would work on their footwork. And all of them came out better for it. And maybe Anthony Davis should seek Kareem out too. And, and again, because if that Hall of Fame player who told me that his footwork is a part of why he always hits the ground and he gets hurt uh, is right, then all those things need to be revisited.
1: Wrapping it up with George Sedano, ESPN, ESPN Radio. So we're both radio geeks, and we've been in the business our whole lives professionally. And if you look at national radio compared to local radio, national radio, you got to cover everything, and you want to get the best topics out there. You do that also locally. But sitting in your big seat in L.A., Every day you can talk about this. Every day you could speculate is LeBron coming back. We both lived at a previous network during when Kobe was calling into shows, and Kobe was getting a little shaky about potentially leaving. He wasn't completely, like, mentally. He loved being a Laker, but at least the conversation was out there in L.A., and you remember that. What do you suggest happens next? What will the summer of LeBron be like and will it get weird? Will he be cryptic? Will he go to social media? What are you expecting?
2: Expect the unexpected. That's what I've learned okay. covering LeBron all these years and it's been 12 years now, okay? So, cuz I started covering him regularly back in 2010. So, that that's all I would say. And I think that the thing that I'm most curious about is what the coaching situation is going to look like. Because for weeks, I've been speculating that Juwan Howard could be someone that they take a hard look at. And then I thought that Sham Sharania had that in his report in The Athletic. And the reason I came to that conclusion, JT, was because, A, LeBron has a relationship with him. He was a teammate of his in Miami and then was on the staff under Eric Spolstra as an assistant coach. And Juwan graduated up to the top of the bench. Like, you know, he was one of the lead assistants uh, with Spo for a long time and or well not a long time but several years and then got the job at Michigan he also is tight and very close with Rob Palenka the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers they even together uh, at Michigan when he was with the Fab Five Rob was one of the bench players one of the older players on that team so they have a relationship that goes back a long way but all these reports about Nick Nurse and Doc Rivers and Quinn Snyder yeah I guess some of that is plausible because, you know, Doc could get upset in the first round by the Raptors. Like, I honestly would pick the Raptors to win that series. I, I, I did for ESPN.com. Um, so maybe Doc is out, you know? I don't know. Who knows? But Quinn Snyder, maybe an early exit. Uh, nonetheless, here's the problem with all that. Those three guys are all under contract. So the Lakers would have to give up compensation for that, and I don't see them doing that. Uh, and by the way, those other teams shouldn't let those coaches coach the Lakers without compensation. It's ridiculous. So like, I, I think that the thing I'm most curious about is what they do with the coach. Then what happens with Westbrook? I think there are deals that could be there, JT, except you're going to have to take longer contracts back. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think you can do that and then move those contracts later if you find yourself a star uh, that wants to be a Laker. But I would just get off rust. Uh, because I just think that this team cannot function with Russell Westbrook in tow at the moment, considering what he just said about the, the franchise, the two star players, <laughs> and, and mm. well, the, the now-gone coach. I, I just don't think it works, because I don't think Russell Westbrook understands um, that it's just this isn't going to work with him. He's not the player he used to be, and he's the first, quote-unquote, star player, um, all-star caliber player, top 75 player of all time that I've seen that couldn't play with LeBron James. Now, I know for star players it could be difficult adjusting to play with LeBron, but they've all figured it out. This thing wasn't even close to being figured out, and I know they only played about 40 or 50 games together, but that's a decent sample size. That's not a small sample size with those two particular players. So I'm curious to see about the coach, curious to see about Westbrook, and what other potential additions the Lakers have maybe in their front office or to their coaching staff.
1: George Sonano, last one. Who wins the title? I'm giving everyone a free pass who had Brooklyn and the Lakers a long time ago. Reset for me as you cover the league. Who do you think we see in the finals and who wins?
2: It's going to be fascinating, JT. Um, right now, when I look at the, the – the look, I wish I, I wish you would have called me and asked me this maybe after the play-in scenario because I okay. think Brooklyn can still get there. I still think Brooklyn can still get there. I think they beat the Cavs. Uh, I think they beat Boston, especially now without – if they win, they're the seven and they would play Boston. I think they can beat Boston because Robert Williams is so key to what they do defensively. I think it would be a great series. I think it would go seven, but I think they could beat Boston. Um, Then they'd have to go through Milwaukee, though, um, who dodged them uh, on the last game of the season. And then they'd have to potentially beat Miami, too. I think Brooklyn could do it. If they did it, it would be one of the greatest runs we've had in the Eastern Conference because you're talking about uh, multiple teams that are championship caliber and that have either been in the finals of the Eastern Conference finals or have won a championship. Uh, I think they're capable of that, but I don't know if they can go through that gauntlet. So because of that, JT, I think that Milwaukee or Miami would probably be the two teams I would pick in the East because they have an easier path. Uh, particularly if Brooklyn wins and is the seventh seed think about it this way if the Heat uh, have to face the Cavs or the Hawks or whoever in the first round and not the Nets they get them and then the winner of Philly and Toronto which they've beaten uh, both a number of times this season now a tough series but not as tough as facing Milwaukee in the second round so I, I think that Miami has a good shot and Milwaukee has a really good shot of coming out of the east and then out west it's the Phoenix Suns to me, JT. They've been the most complete team all season. If they're healthy, they're beating everybody out West.
1: Thank you, George. We'll take uh, we'll take another look back halfway through the playoffs and at the end during the finals. I always value your time and friendship. Thank you. You got it,
2: brother. Same to you.
1: Take care, my friend. George Sedano, ESPN LA. We appreciate that. Uh, the Lakers are a master of the biggest story in sports. Do you understand that? I know you do. There's nothing bigger today than the Lakers. When someone wins a big football game, there might be nothing bigger than that. Today is Laker Day around the, around America. Everybody's sitting there looking at the Lakers, either piling on, hurt because they're Laker fans, and trying to figure out how could this happen. How could it happen? It happened. Breaking news. Comedian Gilbert Godfrey just passed away. Love him. Great roaster. Man, on those roast shows. He was fantastic, Comedy Central. The great comedian Gilbert Gottfried just passed away after a long illness. Jeff Sherman will join us from the Westgate as we'll take a look at some of the moving odds in the gambling mecca of the world, Las Vegas.
2: Jason Tatum, moving to his left, Berton's in front of him. Tristan Thompson ambles out to set the screen. Tatum, steps to his left, three in the air, got it! 48 for Jason Tatum.
1: Celtics played hot as a two-seed. Bobby's going to like that. He's a diehard Celtic fan. JT back with you as we continue on from here in beautiful Las Vegas where we get an opportunity to talk to Jeff Sherman, the VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook at the Westgate. All right, Jeff, right up your alley, the Masters. How did it play out? Let's first talk about Tiger making the cut, which I thought he would, and then clearly ran out of gas and didn't have much on Saturday and Sunday.
0: Yeah, you know, we saw a lot of two-way action on that Tiger Cut prop. That was the most popular outside of his outright odds. Which, you know, we got a lot of support for his outright odds. We closed fifty to one pre-tournament. He was one of our largest liabilities in the tournament. But it was good to see him back, and it was it was a win for him to make the cut. And uh, you know, I expected over the weekend for him to have a struggle just walking that hilly course for four days. But uh, it was great to see him. And then as far as Shuffler went, uh, he closed sixteen to one. He was pretty much sixteen to one the tournament, uh, the week leading up to the tournament. And this is the exact reason with Scotty Scheffler that you should pay attention to these Masters Futures, which I have next year's Masters odds up right now, that you can get some value because he had won three out of his past five tournaments coming in. Mm -hmm. You could have found him 40, 30, 25 to 1 a few weeks ago and gotten some really nice value and it paid off.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that because as you posted your Masters Futures for next year, that's a really important point I want to get into. With Tiger... Were they fading him in matchups going into the weekend? He makes the cut for those who lost out on that. Were they fading him on Saturday and Sunday, assuming he'd break down?
0: Yeah, well, we saw a fade in the matchups pre-tournament. Patrick Mm -hmm. Reed took some money against him. And then as the round-by-round matchups went on, the prices got higher and higher. And I used Russell Henley minus 240 against Tiger on Sunday and even saw some support laying 240. So people were thinking that Tiger would fade out.
1: What did you think? What did you think about Rory and what he was able to do and how he was able to play so great with that 64? What did it say about that round and what he can do mentally going forward now that he knows he can post that number?
0: Well, from my perspective, that's typical Rory where he does well when he's out of contention to make his numbers look like he's running so well and keep his odds short and then people bet on him because they see his place results. But You know, he really never threatened to win the tournament. He was still a few shots back no matter how well he played on Sunday. And we've seen that over the last few years. I think it's been since 2014 since he's won a major. And he just isn't in position. And when he is early in the tournament, then he falters. So, you know, it's nice to see that. And now it's going to have a reaction in the odds market for the upcoming majors where he's going to be relatively short because people are going to look to bet on him. But that's typical what we've seen out of Rory McIlroy uh, if you follow
1: golf. The great golf odds maker, VP of risk management at the Superbook at the Westgate. So for the 2023 Masters, Scheffler and Rom, 12 to one. So uh, you know, I would assume this, and I learn more and more from you that you know, the odds are not going to get much shorter than that. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of value now going with this here. And then when I look at some of the other names here that are down a little bit farther, Tiger Woods, 50 to one; a uh, Kepka, 20 to one; Zalatoris, Deschambeau. Thirty to one. Do you think you're going to get some big action on Tiger at fifty to one here in the off season?
0: I expect it because what people saw that he played, and then has a year to improve. And you know, I I don't expect him to play PGA and definitely not U.S. Open. I he's going to play St. Andrews, but you know, he's got all that time to recover. So a year out from now, the closing odds from this last week. Now you can get those for next year. I think people will have more confidence that he can hopefully feed off that and get better and be healthier and and go in with that. So I would expect his odds to shorten over the course of the year.
1: Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. So let's look at the NBA uh, championship winner updated Suns five to two bucks, four to one, Nets, warriors and Celtics. You had at nine to one here, heat 12 to one. I, I see some value here with the 76ers, except for the road that they have to have at 16 to one and the jazz at 21, uh, five to one, where are you seeing money flood into right now? Because I'm assuming a lot of people love the popular Warrior pick and the Celtics at 9-1. to
0: Yeah, I've reshaped these this morning based on the serious prices coming out. I bumped Brooklyn up to 10-1. to If they were to win uh, and get out of the play, they'll be playing against uh, Boston, and they would be an underdog in that series. So if you look at the path that they would have to go through Boston, through Milwaukee, their odds are lengthened. So they're 10-1. to I'm not seeing much on Philadelphia. I've actually bumped them up at 20-1. to I've seen some sharp play on Toronto in the series price against the 76ers. And Utah, we have with Luka Doncic's situation, doesn't look like he's going to be available for a good chunk of this series. I shortened Utah down to 18-1 to from 25 and lengthened Dallas from 30 up to 60. So that series price has really moved a lot. And now we have Utah $3 as a favorite against Dallas.
1: Jeff Sherman joins us. So what about the MVP race overall what what you see? Uh, along the way, especially the last couple of weeks. I love how Embiid fought for that scoring title. That's a great award. Jokic put up a milestone number that's never been done before, and Giannis wanted to win badly too, played in a lot of games down the stretch at a very high level.
0: Yeah, it's too bad they can only give this really to one person because Mm. they're all so deserving of it. And, you know, from my standpoint, it's always tough to see a repeat winner of it, but it looks like from what we've seen out of these straw polls that Jokic is going to win it. I, if I had a vote, I'd vote for M B just because of what he did with the off-court dealing with Ben Simmons and carrying that team, exceeding expectations, and he probably played at the highest level that he can. So if he doesn't win it this year, I can't envision him winning it, but it's looking like Jokic is the probable winner out of it.
1: Uh, Jeff, finally, baseball. What are you seeing in the first week of baseball and some trends, especially these in-game bets and uh, first five-and-a-half innings and what we're seeing overall with the favorites? Uh the Rockies handled the Dodgers. I lost my mind with the Yankees last night, the way they lost and didn't score. And all three of their power hitters struck out in the ninth inning. And a couple of baseball stories that jump out at you as you look at the customers coming in the first week.
0: Well, so far we're seeing the most popular team with the public are the Blue Jays because they can mm-hmm. score in bunches, and that's what the public likes to get behind. So we have them sitting at 10-1 to 1 for the title. The largest story that we've seen over the last couple of days is Stephen Kwan, the rookie for the Guardians and his performance and it's caused his odds to shift for the AL rookie of the year. He was 80 to 1 yesterday morning. He's down to 5 to 1 right now. And that's been an adjustment and betting support. We've taken money at 80, at 20, at 10, all the yeah. way down to 5 to 1. So that's been a big story right there. And uh, then you have at the top of the the AL MVP, Mike Trout missing some games and we've eased his odds out to 7 to 1, which is as high as he's been in years.
1: Interesting. Mike Trout would love to see him get going. Jeff, appreciate it, especially all the work. You had a busy week with the Masters. Great job as always. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, JT.
1: There's Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. Really the great, he's fantastic. With golf, and he made a really good point about betting. It's important. We're trying to educate. We're trying to educate me. I'm not a gambler, but we're trying to put the best of the best on. Made a very good point on Scotty Scheffler. When he posted the Masters numbers a year ago, you could have got Scheffler at 40 to 1. He goes off at the tournament at sixteen to one. Problem is you had to park your money and had your money sit with no return the entire time. But if you got the return on forty to one, thirty to one, twenty-five to one, you would have lived with it. Parking your money there. Now you're not going to get that value with Scotty Scheffler. And whoever wins the Masters, you, you just think they're never going to lose again. <laughs> whoever wins, you always feel like they're always going to win. Because they're the hot name, they're right in front of you. It's going to be fun. Tiger's going to play in the Open Championship at St. Andrews. It's a short course, a course he's won at before. He's going to have plenty of time to get healthy and recover. The question for Tiger Woods will be, will he play more? Uh, When we come back here at the top of the hour, more news on the Washington Commanders. I think this is it for Daniel Snyder. The news broke today. We'll give you an update from Congress on the Commanders and Daniel Snyder. USFL's out. And the XFL rules innovation that could go to the nfl jt as we brought to you by resorts world inside the doghouse is where you'll find me my official home for monday night football